Welcome to Silly History, I'm Matt Pekarski. I love funny stories, especially when they come from real life. I've compiled a long list of true tales that made me laugh, and now I want to share them with you. There's a lot of crazy stuff historical figures did or said, and yet we've never heard about them. History class would have been a lot more interesting with some of these sprinkled in here and there. Not that I ever disliked learning history. Hopefully there's at least a couple of yarns you haven't heard before. Let's hear one now. When the pilgrims walked off the Mayflower, they were excited to be finally standing on solid, dry ground once again. They had escaped England's stranglehold on the church, and now could freely worship in concordance with the true teachings of the Bible. During the reign of King Henry VIII, the monarch broke ties with the Roman Catholic Church after the Pope refused to approve his divorce from Catherine of Aragon. The king converted in name only to Protestantism, and he formally declared himself the head of the new Church of England. In reality, very little changed in regards to the treatment of the true Protestants, forcing them to continue worshipping in secret. There came a point when these separatists believed there was no other option but to flee England in order to worship without fear of persecution, and still preserve their heritage. They traveled to Holland and from there sailed on the Mayflower to America, arriving near Cape Cod, Massachusetts in November 1620. As the harsh winter months rolled in, they were forced to remain on the ship until spring. The birds were chirping, the snow was melting, and the immigrants were finally leaving the ship. One of the first locals to meet with them was the last of the Patuxet tribe, and when Tisquanto approached, he was nearly knocked off of his feet. The smell wafting off the funny-looking strangers was nauseating. These people needed a bath, he thought. To be fair, the pilgrims had traveled 66 days across the Atlantic Ocean in a cramped wooden container with sails, and then forced to remain inside for an extra several months. Who wouldn't have body odor as bad as multi Limburger cheese? You can almost imagine yourself standing on the shore and watching the stench escape in a green vapor when the ship's hatches were opened for the first time since the winter began. Still, Tisquanto had a point, even before they journeyed to the New World. The pilgrims? rarely bathed. The European outlook on cleanliness viewed the science a bit different. If they took baths, they were few and far between. They were not for keeping clean, but rather for therapeutic purposes. King Louis XIV of France is said to have taken just three baths in his entire life, and not to remove the hundreds of layers of grime and dead skin cells still attached to his frame, but to treat his convulsions. It was fairly routine for Europeans to wash their hands and faces but only because the skin was always exposed. When it came to the rest of their bodies, they believed that it was their clothing, more specifically, their linen undergarments, that kept them clean, absorbing the dirt and bodily fluids collected on or produced from their bodies. The linen was always white, and of course that meant the cleaner the linen, the cleaner the person. It was a big deal to the colonists. Linen undergarments were always exposed around the neck to show everyone else how clean a person was even morally pure, and it reminded them to make sure they changed their underwear from time to time, otherwise they would be exposing their filthiness to the world. In the same manner, Puritan ministers wore a robe of white, distinguishing him as a man of God and a gentleman. The same went for the bedsheets. Going to bed au naturel was important to wake up unsoiled in the morning. It was bad to go to bed fully clothed, because not only was a person preventing themselves from their overnight cleanse, they were also needlessly dirtying their sheets. 
the Native American tribes were quite the opposite in their approach to hygiene. They regularly bathed in nearby streams and rivers. To clean their teeth, they chewed on sticks as a precursor to toothbrushes, rubbed charcoal on their teeth as a whitening agent, and munched on mint leaves to freshen their breath. I'm sure there was a bit of cultural shell shock when they learned that this wasn't the standard practice by everyone. What particularly grossed them out were the handkerchiefs the pilgrims carried around in their pockets, which were almost always filled with snot. Despite Tisquanto's persistent attempts to convince the foreigners to update their cleaning routines, they all but ignored him. It wasn't until the end of the 18th century that bathing gained traction as a form of personal care. Only the upper class at the time practiced it on a more regular basis, but over the next hundred years or so, it would become a routine practice by everyone. That is, until someone realized they were still soaking themselves in their own filth and invented the shower. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, give it a five-star rating, and share with not one but two of your friends. If I haven't told your favorite silly story from history, send me an email at nightowlbroadcasting at gmail.com. Subject, Silly History Story. This show is a Night Owl production.